You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, and thanks for joining the Fenestration Conversation. Today we spoke with Mitch Lewandowski from SoftTech. Mitch has a ton of experience in the window and door industry providing software solutions of all different kinds. We got into implementation of your new software in your company, some tips and tricks to make that less painful. We got into some of the amazing things that are are becoming more possible with business enterprise software, with uh, manufacturing control software, uh, with cloud-based solutions. Talked a bit about uh, the potential for enhanced data management and, and AI and showing off your products to your customers through uh, new information technology, apps. We got into computer security, uh, which obviously is a, a hot topic and probably should be hotter than it is, uh, given the damage that can be done to your business if you don't secure your systems properly. Mitch and I talked about the best way to do that. Overall, very informative, very relevant, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, you're in a Fenestration Conversation. My name is Pat Flannery. I'm the editor of Fenestration Review Magazine, and uh, we're joined today by uh, Mitch Lewandowski. He's the VP of Sales for North America for uh, SoftTech. How are you doing today, Mitch? I'm doing well. I'm fighting a cold that's been hanging on, uh, as I'd said, like an ex-girlfriend, but uh, I'm in good spirits, and it's uh, good to be with you today, Pat. Thanks for the invite. Well, listen, I really, I really appreciate you rising from your sick bed to, uh, to help us out today. Um, Mitch is, is going to talk to us today uh, about, well, we're going to talk back and forth about uh, just a, a, I guess a, I guess a big picture sort of uh, educational overview of, uh, of window and door software, kind of state of the technology, um, and, and try to give uh, you some tips on uh, the, the things, that, things that you can do and, and how you should be looking at your, your approach to your software systems and your plant. And we'll just sort of see where this conversation goes. Uh, Mitch, why don't you start out, though, by uh, giving us a bit about your background and, uh, and a bit about SoftTech. Sure. Thanks, Pat. Well, uh, I've been in and around the industry for a little over 20 years. I uh, started out in South Florida back in, I guess, the mid-90s, and uh, went to go work for a window business and on the sales side, and uh, found out that it was pretty good business, and despite all of my uh, shortcomings, I could actually sell stuff. So uh, <clears throat> did that for a few years, and then partnered with uh, a couple gentlemen and started a window business in Florida, and uh, had a few guys in the room, and we scaled that, and then uh, sold that in uh, 2008, and then partnered with a German manufacturer, brought them into the U.S. North American market, and, uh, and then I've run a uh, commercial division for a company and then Jordan joined SoftTech about five, almost five years ago as a VP of sales for North America, uh, which was a fantastic opportunity. I've always been a techie on, uh, in, the, in the industry and then um, seeing what they were doing and where they were taking customers. I uh, uh, felt that that was a, a great place to make a difference for the industry. Yep. So SoftTech's uh, just in the, uh, the window and door fenestration uh, technology space. The company's been around about 40 years. It started in Auckland, New Zealand, which is still the world headquarters for the company. And from there, spread out throughout the world. And so we've got, where I think, four continents. We've got offices in multiple locations. Uh, we are for the residential and the commercial fenestration space. So it kind of doesn't matter um, where you're at there. We're about 50-50 globally. And then we're a... Uh, product agnostic and a material agnostic platform. So it doesn't matter if you're making vinyl single hung windows or a commercial curtain wall of some super duper hybrid multi-component system with a triple IG bullet resistant, you know, blast proof. It doesn't really, really matter. Uh, and then we're material agnostic. So it doesn't matter what you're making out of or what, what you're building. It gives people a lot of uh, freedom to be in this particular space. So, Fantastic. Well, that's uh, a great background for sure. So, I guess where I wanted to where I wanted to start, uh, Mitch, is uh, when I talk to my readers uh, in the window and door. And again, we're we're primarily residential window and door in the magazine that we're yeah. doing for, and the podcast we're doing this for. Um, I get the sense that uh, you know you know a lot of people ran out and 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 put software systems in place. Uh, you know, probably ten even twenty years ago. And, 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 and have a tendency to sort of forget about them. 
how have capabilities changed? What's becoming possible now that maybe wasn't in the in the recent past? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, one one step above that at a higher level, one thing that I am seeing is people are saying like, oh crap, um, I'm on an outdated system that we bought, like you said, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden there's this awareness that I can't run my business any or, anymore on the platform that I'm on. Part of it is, Part of it is associated to that is as we all went through that great recession, people scaled back on their uh, their spending, and they say, "Hey, we got to keep the lights on. We got to make do with what we have." And then as we came out of that, and people started growing, uh, we were still all very, very cautious and conservative on our expenditures, and we still band aid together, made things work, made things work. Well, now we're at the opposite swing. We're we're all too busy. Uh, everyone's swamped more or less, and we've woken up and we realized, wow, the software that we bought 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, is we've far outscaled that. And so there's this like fire alarm going off in, in many com- companies in North America that that doesn't work anymore. But more to your question, uh, some of the things that are, 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 are kind of like in the new capabilities or new, um, uh, new things that people would want to be aware of is one, number one is the momentum to hosted solutions, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit today. Um, everybody's been on-prem, on-premises for those, those of you out there on-prem, uh, forever. And the idea of hosted was always like, oh man, I don't want to, you know, I can't put it somewhere else. I need to control my data. I need to control my stuff. I need to see a piece of hardware. I need to see that server in the room to know it's mine. Kind of like buying a CNC or an office or a desk chair or something like that. So the momentum to host it. Uh, the second thing is, uh, integration versus a one-stop shop. People always used to think, you know, I need to buy one software that gives me everything. There certainly are um, offerings out there that do that. But as people are growing and scaling and getting more complex, a one-stop shop package tends to be um, what we call a one-stop light, where, you know, you, you get a little bit of everything, but not a whole lot of anything that you might necessarily need to go deeper into. So there's a big move to picking best practice uh, products or services within a particular area of need and then integrating it to other areas of the business. And the same thing would go even software and equipment. You don't necessarily go to one equipment supplier to buy. I need to buy everything from one guy because one person might offer the best workstation. Somebody else has the best material handling. Somebody else has the best uh, glass line. So the same way where you integrate your, your equipment on the factory, people are saying, well, Hey, I can integrate my software to best practices software as well. Yeah, and integration and communication across uh, uh, software platforms has, has has come a long way, right? And and yeah. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> we all remember, uh, uh, you know, pretty pretty clearly when you you know, if you if you had something on a Mac, you were you were dead. If something else was on a PC, and you know, and, uh, I'm I'm speaking very uh, I don't know simply about it, but uh, yeah. I think even even you don't have to worry so much about your 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 product for one application, not being able to talk to or work with a product for another application. Would that be accurate, Mitch? Is that? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people are still working with a limited, the, the experience that they had years ago is still carried through as a mindset. Well, Hey, we can't do this to this or this to this, or I tried to integrate. I remember back in gosh, 2002, 2003, where we, uh, we bought a, an ERP platform and then we were trying to get it to communicate to other areas of our business. And just right. the cost was really high. It was very murky, muddy. And, and the capability on the back end was very uh, kind of Cold War era, you know, Russian tank that doesn't have any <laughs> gas in it. Visualize that, you know, you're in Canada. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that, yeah. Yeah, so, so now with open APIs and lots of people out there that have experience getting one thing to connect to another, or you, you, you can grab anything off. So think big, big companies that have SAP. Right. Um, you know, it's a billion dollar company. They've got SAP. SAP can connect to anything, but you also have the five or $10 million window company mm-hmm. that needs those abilities. And they're on smaller software packages. Right. There's people out there that can connect whatever you're using on say accounting to whatever you're using over in another area of the business where you couldn't have done that, you know, 10 years ago. Right. 
when, yes, when that, 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 was resident and you were you were basically buying all the software and running the server yourself that now with these yeah. i assume you're talking about the like sort of like hosted and cloud solutions well let's just say for example um you know some people come to us for example and uh, please this, this is for all disclosure for anybody listening to this this is not a pitch on what we do please just take anything you can do that we're talking about to help you as a business um, but people come to us and say hey Mitch, we, we need accounting. Great, let's help you find something. Well, we need accounting from you. It's like, no, you don't. Well, why not? I'm like, dude, there are some fantastic accounting packages out there that people have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars developing. Why would we want to try to go and give you something to compete with that or to, to try to match that capability? Yeah. On our side, we've got 2 million lines of code and like a couple hundred man years in development in our software platform. We're really, 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 really good at what we do for you. We're going to focus on what we're awesome at that can change your world. Let's help you connect over because we can do that today to these other things in and around the, your business that you're going to need. Fantastic. The, the, the big question, though, is, is where, where are costs going? My, my, my sense is, you know, they, you know there's, there's the sort of a rule in the in the industry that the, the, the costs on things drop over time um, is that is that going is that still going on um, where, where where are costs going with software uh, uh, these days what do you see happening yeah well you know some some things I think will reduce in costs but I think one of the one of the big things that's going on right now is the return on investment that people are getting is much greater today because of the abilities Let's say something that cost you $100 today that could have cost you $100 in the past. It does a whole lot more for you. So, you know, possibly could costs go down? Yeah, but I wouldn't encourage anybody to wait around for like the sale or the discount model, you know, last year's model, you know, hey, price is going to go down, so I'll wait six months to buy my new computer. The capabilities of what things can do are so much greater today that the, that the benefit the, the ROI that some people try to assess, the cost to benefit ratio is so much greater that it becomes much more of a no brainer when companies are saying, Oh, I'm looking to invest in some newer technology platform for my company. Cause I can get so much more today for the same dollar that it could have ever gotten in the past. Right. Um, but some of the things that are happening is uh, you're seeing a lot more move to SaaS uh, software as a service for those of you out there that are new to that. Um, a SaaS model where you're not buying a big giant package of something and you've got lower upfront fees. Um, Salesforce was a, a big pioneer of that early on and they still are. So it lowers your upfront costs. So you're not, you know, buying, you know, a million dollars of software. Uh, also with SaaS, you're constantly um, getting the latest version of that software. Um, I think probably everybody within ears distance, is using Windows 10 on their computer. If you're not using Windows 10 in your computer, we've got help groups for you. you just email us separately on that. <laughs> um, but anyone using Windows 10 on their computer, they're on a SaaS model, and they're always getting constant updates and keeping the latest version of the truth. Versus before, you would buy your Microsoft software license, you would have it, and if you didn't want to upgrade to a newer one, you didn't. And then eventually, Microsoft says, hey, we're no longer, longer supporting that platform, Windows 7 right now. Right. Um, so with SAS, you get the you, you get tend to get lower upfront cost. You get lower upfront cost. You're always on the current version of the software, which gives you a lot of value for a company, no matter who you are. Window company, you know, uh, carpet cleaning, window cleaning, you know, um, whatever, any kind of business being being current on that. That that reminds me of um, on the topic of cost. Um, a story I read a little while ago where the, in some of the third world parts uh, of the world, uh, Africa, et cetera, um, they started selling uh, cell phones. People came up with the, the bright idea of selling cell phones that had the capabilities that we were used to here, you know, 25 years ago, right? And now they're able to sell them at a price that Africans can afford. You know, and, and you know, like this cell phone costs five bucks, and it does everything that the cell phone we paid three hundred dollars for in nineteen ninety five, you know, now 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 can do. I, 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 it's just a completely out of the out of the 
water question, but but that I guess is it is it possible even to go and get software solutions that did the old stuff you wanted to do, but are now much much cheaper, or has everyone just added features and kept the price the same? Um, or who would even well, want that? I guess I, I think the way in which I would answer that is there there there's more. I, I would send, I'm seeing that there's more of a move, and I see this within our own company and just general. I mean, nine out of ten of my closest friends, my circle of friends, are in the technology space. Right. Uh, you know, so and so is the the, the the VP of technology for this company. This guy's the chief information officer. This guy's the CEO of a tech company. So that's my kind of inner circle of friends. Because like, so when we get around, we just talk about ones and zeros and stuff like that, and everybody kind of stares at everybody in a room and looks like <laughs> they're in the men's group. Just kidding. Um, bunch of bright people, really sharp folks. But in and around this circle, one of the things that I'm seeing is more of a move to specific modules of need versus a giant system that can do everything. Mm -hmm. So then you're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to get this because I need this and it can do something amazing. And then as I have other needs within my organization, I can add on, I can add on things a la carte, which again, Salesforce, um, yep. Mark Benahoff, some people love him. Some people hate him. Some people think he's the Messiah. He's not by the way. Um, <laughs> but he, 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 he did, he set the agenda. He created the conversation and created the reality of you get this and then anything else you want, you just go to the basically their, their app store and you pick the things that'll do the other things around it versus getting this giant piece of software that you're paying a billion dollars for that can do 10 million things, but you only need three to start with. So <clears throat> versus what I think you were saying was, hey, can we buy the cheap version from yesteryear because we don't want to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then maybe spend more later. What you're getting is today is you have the ability to get the a narrower slice of pie that does something amazing, and then add on to the pie as you get hungry. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's, and speaking you know, of pie, I'd like a piece of pie right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. It's it's on its way. I, pie I, is mine. And this is coming from this is <clears throat> you know this is coming from a guy that loves abandonware games. So you know there you go. I mean that's <laughs> that's, that's the that's the sort of cheap that's the sort of cheap space that I'm in. I'll send you my track player. Yeah, and as for the and as for the Salesforce guy, um, he, he's I think he's I think he is the Messiah around our around our office. We we got we updated or whatever, changed over to Salesforce a little while ago, and all the salespeople really seemed to love it at the yeah, magazine. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, we've talked a lot about um, or we've touched on uh, keeping your data remotely or keeping it in house under your control, mm -hmm. I, I can assure you, and I'm sure you know, and I've seen it in the window and door industry, um, there is a lot of concern with, uh, with, with having total control and, and, and proprietary access only to everything that you do and everything that yeah. you have. Mm. Um, you, 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 want your, you want your secrets in-house and, 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 and not in anybody else's hands. Yeah. Um, it, give, give me give me pros and cons on 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 hosted services versus versus keeping it local. Sure. So let me talk high level again. Then we'll go, we'll, we'll drill down. Uh, one is you need to determine where you're at today. Uh, a lot of people are at the early stages of a cloud strategy or a discussion within their organization, um, and that's completely okay. Uh, as you know, Pat, we talked about this uh, when we were having dinner a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Our industry uh, tends to lag the general manufacturing uh, space globally. Yeah. Uh, no harm, no foul. You know, it's a safe place, folks. You know, we're we're, yep. we're here to help. Um, <laughs> but that that's just normal. So the general window and door company that we talk to, and I've got, you know, my quote unquote my speed dial, my phone. You know, has a lot of people in it. You know, this is normal for industry. So whenever I talk to somebody about the idea of cloud, and they're like. Start to get a little queasy in their chair. Like, dude, it's completely okay. So the industries are at the early stages of cloud strategy. Um, one important thing that I would say is people think about the idea of cloud, whether they're afraid of it or not, is make sure that the things that you're moving to, if you're going to update and go to a newer system, has has a cloud um, strategy attached to it, because eventually you're going to be there anyway. And if you get something that when you ask them, hey, what's your cloud strategy, and they're like yeah, we're kind of looking into it and they're not sure. Um, I would say be mindful of that. So um, another thing is just before we get into pros and cons is 
Um, I'm an Apple guy. What, what, what are you Apple or Android? Pat? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Apple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've got the, you can't, be, I, in the I, you can't be in the creative graphics business without being an Apple person. Yeah. So I've got this, uh, this, the, the new iPhone 11 pro and I'm seeing a lot of guys starting to walk around with this. Uh, yeah. and we buy these cause it's the latest and the greatest. And if you don't have an 11 pro, it's completely okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I just got my wife the, the 11. Don't tell her I didn't give her the best one. Right? <laughs> uh, but, but on this, but on this device, whether you're Apple or Android, everybody out there, you've got all these apps on your phone and the apps that you have, which are some of your favorite apps, you've got anything from music to eBay to um, different shopping things, your banking software, for example, banking, pretty much everybody I know has their banking and or their stock um, apps on there. I got my Amex account, my credit union account. We're using the latest, greatest devices and we're using the latest, greatest apps in a cloud-based environment to run our lives. And then we walk in our door at our office and we say, hey, I've absolutely positively got to have all this control over my data on my equipment, but we're actually, we're selective hypocrites because we lead, we lead our lives in a digital space, in a cloud space, and then we walk in the door, we want, we want to run our business like the, it's the 1970s. Mm -hmm. So spoiler alert for everybody, um, that's kind of the reality that we live in, in our personal lives. So don't be so afraid to live your professional life in the same way. Let's talk about pros and cons. Uh, some of the pros, one is, and I'm, I'm not an advocate for cloud, I'm just giving you the pros and cons here, okay? And one of the things about uh, cloud pros is you don't have to worry about crashes. Uh, um, we have companies that are mostly putting things on um, Azure, or AWS is a, obviously a, bit, a big player out there. Um, I'm a personal fan, by the way, of Azure, because it's Microsoft and just the integration and the, the whole Microsoft ecosystem is just a really great ecosystem. But uh, you don't have to worry about crashes. There's much better data security on an Azure server farm somewhere than anything you could possibly put uh, on site. Right. Thirdly is uh, you got multiple redundancy backups working in sync uh, across the country where you could have never set something like that up uh, within your, in your own organization. Um, we've seen, uh, we've seen the cost of that in, in the past. Uh, fourthly is, uh, you don't need to have server experts. Right now we're in a tight job market, we're in a tight labor market. Having somebody that's available for you in-house or a local IC consulting company that's available for you, you're, you're always relying upon somebody to learn your system, get it set up, and then they get a job transfer or job opportunity somewhere else and they're, they're gone and you're starting from scratch. Uh, also, there's no upfront equipment cost. When you go buy your own server equipment, that's either a cash or you're gonna lease it and move it into an, an, an OPEX, but there's, there, there's no carrying costs on that. Yeah. Another thing is the equipment is always current. If say you're on Azure or AWS, or even some other smaller uh, cloud hosting platform, they're always providing the latest, fastest equipment, and then you can pick how fast or what kind of, what kind of performance that you want. So you can scale up or down as your needs change. People will say to me, hey, I need the server requirements. And say, well, okay, our IT team will give them a recommended server purchase package. That's based upon what they're telling us in this conversation. And what they really need could be something very different, but they just don't know because they haven't been able to articulate or communicate clearly. So they buy this equipment and then they outscale it and then they need a bigger hard drive and they need a, a RAID super fast RAM system, you know, I mean, you can, you can go to the moon on this, but you're always having to buy an upgrade, buy an upgrade as your, as your company scales. Let's just say you have a slowdown. You bought all this really expensive equipment that's now being outdated and outdated, but then as your company gets smaller for some reason, get in another recession or whatever, you have all this expensive equipment that's being only used at a certain percentage. When you're in the cloud, you can scale down your requirements and decrease your costs. Yeah. Uh, a couple of cons. More so, it's just a mindset that you're not in control of your data. That's a mental, so you're going to, people are going to think about that. That's a real issue, so I'm going to put that in the cons category. That's just really a mindset. Um, another con, and this is being facetious, you don't get to buy some really cool hardware. A lot of us love to buy crap. Just be honest with yourselves, folks. I get to buy some more stuff, you know. You know, I've got, I've got Amazon Prime and I've got eBay on my phone and whatever other shopping apps that I've got. I like to buy stuff. I need a new CNC workstation. Give me some servers. 
I mean, those, I'm being facetious on that. There's not really any cons on that, no. but uh, there's a whole bunch of pros for uh, moving to cloud. But when the time is right for you and it makes sense for you, um, by all means, do so. Yeah, the, 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 the guys that I've seen that are, you know, very concerned about this stuff, um, you know, they, they practically have to set up their own IT department in their, in, in their, in their company. Um, like you say, hiring people who know what they're doing, um, uh, expenditures. I, you know, I, I just, I, I don't think there's a lot of um, argument left. And well, and that was, that, that's the next, really the next uh, uh, question on the list here, right? Is, uh, is, is the security thing. And, and your, your, your comment was interesting. The Azure server farm, has has got a level of security that you're never going to be able to replicate uh, in your in your in your own office. And if you think it's safer because it's in a box under your desk, that that doesn't matter. <laughs> that thing is still connected to the to the internet. How should window and door companies be thinking about about their data security and 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 what do they yeah. what do they need to be doing? Some things that you can think about um, and be aware of on like security risk and how to protect yourself. One is. Uh, just the whole concept of having outdated systems within your company. And I see a lot of that capital L O T a lot. I see a lot of no longer supported software and hardware right. um, in companies. I see people, Oh, I'm, we've got windows seven on this because the software that we're using only works on that. Um, we've got a BB six database that's built. I, we had got something that was made in access in 1999. I've seen two of those in the past month. Wow. Um, where you, you, but, but, but then you, you listen to those people talk. And they're telling this to you almost like you're going to see a doctor. You say, hey, doc, the doctor's saying, what's wrong? And you're kind of embarrassed. Yeah, I got this, I got this spot on my arm, you know. It's, I'm afraid to wear a short sleeve shirt. It's really embarrassing. He's like, dude, you're the third guy I've seen today that has that. It's going to be okay. We're going to fix this. I can, uh, you, that's an infection. We can put you on some antibiotics. It's going to be okay. But you're so embarrassed to talk about something that you feel sheepish bringing it out. But when you realize, wow. Everybody's going through the same thing right now. This is normal for where I'm at in my own personal journey as a window company. And a lot of other people are going through the same journey at the same time. So outdated systems that are no longer supported, software and hardware, uh, I see a ton. They're easily hacked. People easily get into it, which brings us to ransomware and hacking. Uh, I've had a couple conversations just this past month about people that have had ransomware attacks. The, the concept of ransomware, uh, number one, I would encourage everybody, I don't, we don't do this, so I can totally encourage this, get an external technology security company to do an audit for you. Mm. Pay somebody some M-O-N-E-Y in your local currency to come in, hey, we'd like to have you take a look at us and, and give us your recommendation on where we got some exposure. Mm. And for your larger companies out there, I'd consider, I would say consider having the executive team com, uh, coordinate this to remove any mid-level management biases. Um, and so I'm speaking to a wide group of people out there. So I might have offended some of you middle, middle managers, no offense intended, but let's just say you're a $500 million window company. Yeah. Uh, if the executive team look, looks at this, like, Hey, we're going to go get somebody. You're not, you're not going to have any mid-level biases about, Hey, we built this. We did this. This is secure box. You don't have to worry about it. Cause I've seen that happen before. Really? Where people have a lot at stake in what they design for safety and security. And this is an impenetrable fortress. And then yeah. some outside external consulting company comes and goes, no, it's not. We just hacked it 10 minutes. Wow. So my encouragement is for larger companies, have the executive team coordinate that. Um, and it could even be a board discussion where the board's going to bring in um, the security company. And uh, it just completely removes any biases or, 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 or so forth. Um, and then take the advice. And yeah, it's going to cost you some money. Hmm. But I tell you what, you get one ransomware attack, you know, let's just say you you can't you can't put a price on saying oh your company's uh, been shut down and if you don't pay us whatever we decide it's worth I mean, you can't run your business and i've seen people oh we're not paying that you know screw you okay well fine you know the price goes up you know 30 grand every 24 hours we have a we have a very high profile story about that right here in uh, the the gta uh in toronto area um one of our uh, one of my readers uh, uh did have a ransomware attack uh, completely locked everything out, mm -hmm. was forced to absolutely, a, a local server, uh, you know, like you're saying, uh, was forced to throw out the hard drive, 
and start all over again. Uh, apparently there was apparently there was nothing anyone could do, and yeah. uh, and and this guy this guy had to burn it all down and, and start again from scratch with a new information system. Uh, mm. And he was actually he was actually public about it. It was it, it's it was Mike Bruno at Everlast. He's he's been uh, he's been okay. uh, talking about it. And, Good for uh, him. Good for him. Um, I I I'm thankful that he's done that. And for all the listeners out there. Uh, hear, hear that story because it can happen to you and you know, it's not his fault. Somebody targeted his company. He, they went after that company and got it. And what they did was not rocket science. They can do that to anybody. Ransomware people are just going out there and they're just picking companies. Yep. They're not looking for the weakest guy, you know, the slowest sheep in the herd. They can get anybody anywhere. Describe Literally. how that looks. Describe how that looks, Mitch. What, what happens when there's a ransomware attack? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> well, well, f- the, the the biggest thing about ransomware is they they take control of your company and you cannot operate your business. So, so everything, everything gets locked stops. out, right? Like you're, you're everything you're stops. To, you're trying to do email. You're trying to you're trying to open Nothing. up your enterprise Nothing. software, and, and everything is just locked. Yeah. So you imagine walking in, and uh, so I spent twenty years in South Florida. Uh, a power goes out because of uh, hurricanes. A lot of companies get locked out of their business because they have no electricity. They can't keep the lights on. They can't run equipment. They can't do anything. So business stops to, stops operating because of no electricity. Right. So imagine walking into your office. You have electricity. You have running water. You have your AC. And that's about that's it. it. That's <laughs> it. <clears throat> you can't run. You can't run your business. Yeah. So yeah. And so the, then the third thing is just hacking in general. It uh, applies to. A lot of the things like like ransomware, somebody's going to hack into your system, especially outdated, no longer supported software and hardware, which is right. super easy to get into. Um, you know, we have over six what six point two billion people on the planet. Don't don't quote me on that, but a lot of people. Something There's like so many places to go to to hack. Hackers are interested in getting in. Um, the biggest risk to this is your financial data, especially a small to medium sized company. Let's just say you're doing eight million dollars a year Canadian. For your, for your readers, there's a lot of people out there like that. Somebody gets in, they get access to your financial data. So now they're able to track and they're able to pick when they want to do a transaction to move money out of your accounts. So, you know, you're keeping a low balance, but oh, then you get a big payment and they see that your balance just went up. Why would they take, using the numbers, why would they, why would they swipe your money when there's 18 grand in an account, but you just got a $350,000 payment from a job that you, you were getting in and it just goes into your account. They're watching that. Mm. Now you can go to your bank to sort that out. There's no guarantee you're going to get the money back. There's a chance you're going to get the money back. But what do you do in the meantime? You just, that $350,000 just got put out. And you just went to go do payroll and pay your suppliers. What happens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like the bank's going to say, Hey, we're going to float you in the meantime. Unlikely. Nah. It's not pretty. That is the story. I, I don't. I, I don't think people. Uh, I don't think people always know just how uh, just how disruptive those those kinds of things can be. An, another another uh, interesting conversation we, we 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 had in the industry a little while ago uh, was uh, I, I remember uh, an individual who remained nameless in this case uh, <laughs> came came to one of the conferences and was was absolutely ranting about uh, his his experiences with uh, implementing a new uh, a new software system in, in, in his plan and uh, and and the comment was these guys come in and they promise you this and they promise you that and the world and it, it's all it's all going to be fantastic and all the rest of it and you go on and on and on doing everything they tell you and updating this and updating that and and the, and the costs keep rising and it never it never comes to fruition why does that happen and how can we avoid that <laughs> when you're implementing a new software system in your in your uh in your company yeah i've heard a lot of those stories as well and even as com- companies have joined us in the past few years since i've been with the company um i've heard that probably 10 times yeah we went with xyz company it, it, it could have been for any you know i don't want to say it was a competitor it's just it could be anybody it could be i went to buy software for a certain task and I had a terrible experience with implementation. Yeah. I've heard that 20 times. Yeah. One of the tendencies is that when people are buying software, they it tends to get dumped on one person. Either one person is the brand champion or it gets put on one person to make it happen. Yeah. And I tell everybody, get an internal team. 
that's that's the first thing because with with headcount you get wisdom you're able to spread out the workload you're also able to see things more things with a group of people versus one person i've seen too many times where one oh yeah this is the guy he's gonna make it all happen and we just we, we personally will slow it down we say okay great Let's decide who's going to work with that person. Oh, he Bob's got a lot of bandwidth. He's, he knows everything. No, he's yeah. not going to be good for you. But a lot of people tend to dump it on one person versus getting an internal team. Um, but also, have a good lens on what you would like to accomplish with this software, what kind of timeline you'd like to get this these things done, and some specific goals in which, which you'd like to end up with. I, I, want, I want these net gains and benefits, and these are the problems that I want to solve. Another thing that comes to mind is do your due diligence and talk to other companies that have used that software company. A lot of times we get very myopic. We just trying to get hyper-focused. We think we found the guy, the company that's going to give us what we need. Right. It's like dating. You know, We see all the right things in, in that future potential spouse and we discount. You know, We don't even listen to what anybody else has to say. You know, Hey, he's kind of crazy or she's kind of crazy. No, they're the perfect person. Um, <laughs> Do your due diligence and ask around in the marketplace. Don't just ask them for references, but go out there and look around. Find companies, you're gonna have some people that have had some great experiences with the software supplier that you're looking at. You're gonna have people that had negative experiences with that same company. Don't just jump on that and make them bad either. Help me to understand, Mr. Customer, what is it that you discovered? What would you do differently now that you know what you know? Don't just say, oh, they're bad because Bob had a bad experience. Well, well, maybe Bob wasn't good at his side as well. Um, another thing is to be willing to be agile. We talk about this a lot in our organization. Agile is a software development methodology that is contrasted to what is called waterfall. Waterfall, um, agile came out, I think, 2001, where it said that we want to deliver uh, working software for people and everybody has basically the right to change their mind. There's a great... Uh, there's a great thing out there called the Agile Manifesto. I think it's Agile Manifesto, agilemanifesto.org. You can go online to look that up. It's a good thing for people to read that are thinking about buying software. You want to be partnering with a software company that uses Agile met methodologies. Hmm. This allows you as the team to make changes if the overall team agrees it's a good idea versus scoping out a perfect scope of work that's 800 pages long Heck, the Weather Channel spends hundreds of millions of dollars, a, a, you know, to develop the Weather app, and they can only they can within a seventy percent chance tell you what the weather's going to be tomorrow, a thirty percent chance of what the weather's going to be like next week, and about a zero percent chance what the weather's going to be like next year. Right. The the Farmers Almanac claims to be good at it, but I yeah, they, yeah, it's it's always right. Oh yeah, it's always right. Yeah, <laughs> just read the Farmers Almanac. It's not raining. Um, so. Don't feel that you need to be able to project out in the future exactly what you're going to need in a year. Have your general goals. Be willing to be flexible and be willing to make changes. Uh, be willing to drop things that you don't think are a good idea if you get partway into the project. And if your scope is defined so narrowly that they're going to deliver that to you anyway and it becomes shelfware, that's a bad scope. Okay. Yeah. Um, make sure that your provider has a defined team. When you've got a provider, you're doing ERP, you're doing software like what we do, you're getting uh, a Salesforce implementation, you're doing whatever. Make sure they've got a team. We, what we do, and we found that it's best practices, and if you're a competitor of ours listening, just do the same thing if you're not doing it. Um, <laughs> anybody, have a, have a project manager on a team that's overall responsible for the customer success. Have a technical lead, somebody who's a super techie that's going to be doing your work and leading a team of people that are going to implement your project. And then meet, meet, the, meet your project manager, meet your tech lead, meet your implementation team before you start the project. Because if, if you don't ask, somebody's not necessarily going to offer. But you say, hey, I want to meet everybody in the beginning. I want to meet your people. I want your people to my, meet my people. You're going to start to get a really good idea of what these people know or what they don't know. If you get three to six months into something and you realize that the partner, quote unquote, that you selected isn't any good, you're going to have to shoulder some of the blame on that for yourself for not doing the things in advance to mitigate that kind of risk. Uh, and lastly on that is, uh, well, two last, last and last, last. 
make sure that your 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 software providers have clear domain expertise I see this all the time the fenestration industry as we know is rather horridly complex and uh, it's a unique beast no argument we see people that go out there and buy say ERP or accounting yes and they get they get they, they get some company that's never done a window company Preach. And I'm like wait what <laughs> <clears throat> say it again Oh yeah, but but they say that go. Oh, they've got they, they they do. I hear this term often. Um, variably variably configurable products or CPQ. You know, uh, CP code. I can't even remember what that stands for now. <laughs> um, CPQ. Uh, I forgot. You know, these yeah. these quoting systems and stuff like that. Variably configurable products is infinitely different, completely different than infinitely configurable products. And so there's finite configuration, there's variable configuration, and there's infinite configuration. And we all know infinitely configurable parts in a window and door system, you can't assign just a SKU number to every single part because every single part has a different length at that moment in time, and then it's forever gone. So if somebody says, yeah, we've done six window companies, and it's A, B, and C company, and number one, these, these are the companies we've done, great. And they said, no, but we, we, we get the, the, the configurable environment. No, they don't. And then lastly is do not pick the lowest bid. Yeah. Don't pick the lowest bid. Yeah, just don't, the, yeah, just don't yeah, take just, the bottom one. Just, just don't do it. Yeah. If somebody, if, if the right guy happens to leave money on the table, that's his fault. <clears throat> but just, you know, if you get three, if you're looking at three companies and I'm just making this up, uh, two are a million and one and another one's 300,000. Uh, there's a chance that the 300,000 guy missed floors four through 10. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Just saying from being on the product side for many years. <laughs> yeah, I got all the windows up to 40 feet. Mitch, I don't even I don't even do it when I'm shopping for a for a, a hose handle at the Home Depot. I you know, you, you buy the second cheapest. You don't buy the <laughs> cheapest. <laughs> so you hear that for, for all the people out there in the software world, just yeah. be the second cheapest. Yeah, just be no, the coming second. coming from Pat Flannery Incorporated. Be the, be the second cheapest software people. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? But but then again, as aforementioned, I'm cheap. So there you go. Uh, but you're, you're thrifty. Yeah, thrifty. That's right. No, listen, I, 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 I love the point about having a having a person to deal with. Uh, I, I really love the point about about choosing a a provider that um, that 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 actually has roots in the industry because I, I I just I see yeah. so much of it. You can go on you can go online and you can Google window and door software, and and I'll tell you if you if you're sort of paying attention even to what they're saying on their on their websites, you can sniff it out that really this is a general purpose thing that they've that they're that they're saying you can use for window and door well yeah you probably can but uh, you know is it really doing what you need for to run a business i mean you know it's, it's not true so yeah. there's there's a, there, there's a, there's a lot of that out there i think it's a great point and I, and i and i and i do love the point about having a having a point of contact with the provider who's a who's an who's an expert and who will go back and forth with you that you can have a relationship um, I, I, I think that's, um, that's going to streamline a lot of your implementation headaches right yeah. there, you know, rather than dealing with a call center or something like that when you're, when you're, when you're going, uh, going and trying to get help. Um, let's talk, uh, let's talk quickly about apps. Sure. Um, uh, obviously, uh, you know, I, I, I guess there'd be a couple of ways to look at it, but, uh, mostly this would be on the, the B2C side. This would be, you know, do you, do you want to make some kind of a consumer app where, uh, people can see uh, 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 what you have, select products, play with colors, w whatever that kind of thing. Um, what do you think, Mitch? What, what what have you seen? What 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 should window and door? How should they be thinking about apps for? I guess for public. Yeah, sure. That's a great question, and there's a lot of discussion around this right now. Uh, number one, do not do it yourself. Um, so I want, I want to qualify that, um, to stick with what you're good at. There's a ton of people out there that are really, really good at apps. Uh, so that that's number one. Secondly, I think it's great, especially in the B2C space. Everybody that anybody that can buy windows has one of these things right here, mm -hmm. a phone. That would be a phone. They're using, yeah, they're using apps. There's a lot of discussion and I actually, I talked a little bit about it at Windor, um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago about customer experience. Uh, the cust the better a customer experience is, the more they spend with the brand that they're looking into. 
So the, the UX and the UI, which we talk a lot about in our company, the user experience and the user interface is extremely important. Being able to have that customer have a good, have a good experience on your app <clears throat> creates sales pull through. And again, there are great companies out there that can walk you through that process. Getting the customer engaged in the, in the app, using it and playing around with stuff, the more they use it, the more likely they are to buy yours, your stuff. So it has to be visually appealing. It has to be relevant to this, the look and the style of what apps are today. If you make it too complicated and too much like AutoCAD or BIM or anything ultra-technical, your C, your customer is going to check out. So super simple, easy to use, um, is, is definitely the name of the game there. Uh, there's also a lot of benefit around uh, gamification. I'm going to let you guys look that up on your own. But uh, making it, making, uh, I'll just say it that. Look up gamification if you're considering doing apps. Okay. It creates customer engagement. It's a different way to get them involved in your product and services huh. uh, that then they feel a part of it. And I've seen, I saw uh, one company do it recently where they had a, uh, a <clears throat> they had a competition for uh, current customers to post to get uh, get some kind of you know post your story and you know get people to do this and then they win this. It was just it was a silly game, but it was gamification. It created participation hmm. and it drew people in. And the point is, is just to get people actively involved in doing something. So look up gamification on your own and then try to incorporate gamification into your, your web and your app strategy. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah, so, so in other words, be like Apple, uh, user experience first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with it, or we we refer to customer experience. When the customer has a great experience with you, he's going to buy more from you than the place that's just an average experience. And it, unfortunately, in the space, you can take average product with an exceptional customer experience, and they'll buy more of it. Yeah, it's it's it it really is an amazing, <clears throat> and I don't think thought of enough uh, uh, aspect of, of of marketing, and and yeah. the the. I, I, I'll, I'll go back and emphasize your point. Don't do it yourself. Don't do it half-assed. Don't get your mother, sister's cousin's nephew to, uh, to uh, bang this out on his computer in res residence uh, at college. Um, it was cheap, but it was a great deal. I got the lowest was, bid, Pat. Come on. A, a tremendous, tremendous deal. He did it for 50 bucks. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, the, 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 the app can, the app can, drive people to actually spend money and engage with your company in ways that you'd be surprised about, just like uh, uh, you're saying. Um, it can also drive people absolutely away. <laughs> if it's not, if it's not executed properly, it can make you look bad. So, 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 yeah. so get it done, get it done properly and put, put the amount of thought into it. If you're going to do that. Um, yeah. Although honestly, I, I think if you're, I think if you're a consumer facing business, uh, it's going to be harder and harder to, uh, to, 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 to make life go without one, especially if you're a dealer, especially if you're, you know, on the, on that, that, you know, really just, just selling the system side of it. Yeah. Oh, and backing up in apps really quick. Uh, yeah. I want to also define the difference between app and then application. Okay. Um, a lot of times people think, Oh, I need to get an app on the app store. Well, here's one of the things though, an app on the app store, somebody has to actually go and get it. Mm. Keep that in mind. Um, and then actually use it. But when you talk about my application, my web interface, my web interface needs to be um, a device agnostic. So when somebody's logging into my web page, and a lot of the window companies have gotten this part figured out right here, but when I'm looking at logging onto a phone, everything's set up properly so the orientation is, is right for a phone. Not that I'm having to zoom in and read all this small text. Mm -hmm. um, so you can make your web page be optimized to devices to when somebody and recognize you're on a mobile device it gives you the mobile interface that looks very much like it's an app yep. so somebody instead of necessarily pushing somebody to the app to use the app you can have your web interface be mobile optimized and have somebody has a so if somebody does a search um, Flannery windows and doors it gets it they find your web page they click on it it pops up the customer experience immediately is mobile optimized. And so having a mobile optimized uh, 
web in, in interface is primary before even considering doing an app. And you've got to be at the size and scale to where an app would be a benefit, uh, but ha have, have it mobile optimized. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's that's great. That's kind of a, I don't want to say a half measure. It's a, it's, it's, it's a step in that direction towards, yeah, I, I, I like that. That's, that's, a, that's an excellent suggestion. So, Mitch, we better wrap this up before you uh, perish from uh, uh, viral overload uh, over there. I, I really appreciate you hanging with me here. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, the, yeah, the, um, the take take us take us into the future a little bit. Where what what what's coming out? What's exciting to you? What do you think window and door people are going to want to be looking at uh, going forward here? Roads, Marty. Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Pat. Well, the wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> that just came up, by the way, which means I've got issues. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I want to go down that road. Or lack of road. You got problems. I got issues. Uh, there you go. One is uh, just further move to the cloud. You're going to see that. that that's gravity. It's just like gravity. Things are moving to the cloud. Uh, further integration, the front-end CRM, back-end ERP and accounting. You're going to see that in our industry. Uh, you're going to see a move to BIM integration, speaking to commercial Yep. people first and then slower into the uh, into the residential world okay. uh, you're gonna see a greater ability to freely model products and system in a 3d open space architecture where somebody can go in and just design their product on the fly and actually see it and fly through it including at the customer level so we're talking b2b and then b2c where a customer can go in there and they can just make something on the fly on your website wow or on an app and they can say, okay, I want to see what this window looks like. I want to see what this window looks like and move in and get really, really close to it. And it's all in a, in a, in a think a, it's all in a computer generated space. Mm -hmm. uh, and then further to that, then being able to freely look at what those windows look like on their house. So he goes and takes a picture of his house and then goes and picks out some windows and said, what does that look like? And then I can zoom in on my house and see what that looks like in my house, including where the angle of the sun is, reflectivity on the glass. Mm. All these kinds of things that makes it an extra real experience, which takes me to um, AR and VR as we move to augmented reality and virtual reality, being able to say you've got a, uh, a Samsung device and you've got uh, a set of VR goggles to be able to put those on and look at your house and walk around your house. I mean, that's, that's the near future yeah. for the residential industry. And then uh, from the manufacturing side, uh, just native CNC connectivity and automation. I think we're going to see it further continue driving that that direction. Yeah, that's that that that's getting to be more and more of an assumed. Uh, I think sort of with 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 everything on the manufacturing side. Yeah, Mitch, I want to thank you very much uh, for uh, for joining me today. I think uh, it really really informative. Uh, I think this should be helpful to everybody. And uh, you've been uh, you've been generous with your time. So uh, thanks very much. Good spending time with you today. Well, this has been a Fenestration Conversation with Mitch Lewandowski, VP of Sales North America for SoftTech. Thanks very much for joining me today. I'm Pat Flannery, Editor of Fenestration Review. See you next time on Fenestration Conversations. Thanks for joining the Fenestration Conversation. You can find this episode and past episodes at fenestrationreview.com or on the major podcasting services, Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.